update for June 23rd, 2019. I'm Playboy General Folk. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Chris Ologi. And, uh, yeah, this week has been kind of interesting because it's been uh, a couple of releases that have kind of uh, resurrected to, uh, well, one franchise and one concept <laughs> to a mm-hmm. pretty stellar level. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna talk about that in uh, not too, well, actually right now, because uh, I see that both uh, myself and Pat have actually been playing Bloodstained, which is one of the games we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, full disclosure, I was a backer uh, at the uh, just the digital tier, and that turned out to be a good thing, because I ended up getting two games instead of one, mm-hmm. so that was nice. Uh, but yeah, it's finally out. Uh, Egovania, uh, as we, uh, you know, lovingly refer to it as, mm-hmm. um, I think is very much alive and well at this point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, after four years, uh, a game like this would have had to deliver in, you know, it, it would have had to have been as close to perfection as it could have been. Uh, and, uh, it it is. Yeah. It, it really is. They did it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the, it's one of those things where it's, it feels so much like Symphony of the Night, but in all of the right ways. Uh, yeah. Uh, the control is spot on. The the combat feels really good. Um, I think the, the UI may be a little, has a little, you know, issues here and there, but, yeah, it's it's not so bad that you can't really get that you can't get used to it. Uh but apart from that, uh there's just so much to do in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh so I just don't like with Symphony of the Night so many years ago. Yeah. Uh it's like systems upon systems. I think the the shard system that they added in is a, a very interesting take on the uh the artifacts and from uh Symphony of the Night. Uh, you know, yeah. it seems like a more direct um, correlation from the Aria of Sorrow. Yeah, arc. yeah. Um, you know, and and you have a character that bedazzles herself as uh, as you go uh, through the game. So that's uh, good, I guess. Uh, it's very 2019. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as that that goes, I mean, the the visual visuals of the game are. Well, uh, we saw the uh, the way that the game had per- had started out, and it was looking like it was going to be very flat, very monotonous. That is not what we got. Oh, um, yeah. uh, um, uh, over time, they definitely um, adapted it for the modern era without making uh, compromises to the gameplay, which is exactly how I would have wanted it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they even uh, like a couple of a couple of weeks back, they released a uh, a trailer of sorts, uh, which uh, specifically addressed the visuals. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and bringing up uh, YouTube comments and stuff, and Igarashi basically saying, "I will prove them wrong," and boy, <laughs> did, did they ever! Uh, True statement. Yeah. Uh, I, I particularly love the comparison between the poop art style and the uh, new art style. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> very self-aware of what of what they were doing. Uh, but uh, yeah, apart from that, I'm wondering uh, how far along in the game are you, Ben? Uh, not very. I've been sidetracked by a few other things. It's 
Um, definitely not the only thing I've been playing this week, but I have caught a couple of my friends streaming it as well, and they're definitely further along than I am. So I've got a pretty good impression of the the game as a whole. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't beat it yet, but I understand that once you do beat it, a whole lot of other stuff unlocks. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's going to be, a, as far as replay value goes, I don't think this game is going to have a problem with that. Uh, it was funny because uh, one of my friends was on his stream a couple nights ago talking about it and said that um, he accidentally beat the game prior to that. And somebody in the stream who was kind of new to these types of games like, how do you accidentally beat a game? <laughs> yeah. Um... And I, yeah, I was like, well, um, you're just going through exploring as you ordinarily do and, oh, shit, boss room. Yeah. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if this is like uh, a case of Symphony of the Night where if you don't do a specific thing, uh, you miss half the game. Uh, oh, I guarantee that it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... I mean, that first that first main walkway in the castle gives away the fact that there's an upside-down castle. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to putting a lot more time into this game. And... It's it's really it's really gratifying to me to see like this game actually turn out as well as it did, and to see uh, Igarashi and his team, you know, of four development studios that took to get mm. this game done, uh, were actually willing to take fan criticism and work through yep. it. Uh, and this is what happens when you do. Yeah, it's like yeah, we're not like. <laughs> we're not telling you this because we want to be mean. We we just want the best game you can make, and uh, yeah. And, and what what really pisses me off though about the, this whole situation is that Konami could have had this, and I bet today's Konami would jump all over it. Yeah, uh, the uh, Konami that's realized you know Pachinko uh, and Patchy slot thing maybe not so good. Uh, yeah, so. the, the laws aren't really friendly to that industry anymore. Yeah. Nope. Um, no, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this franchise becomes over time now. Yeah, because uh, uh, this is very much... I mean, we've got two games uh, under his yeah. belt already. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, two very different And I styles. love that aspect of, of having an 8-bit game because it gives it an automatic history. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, it feels like what might have happened if um, Castlevania 3 and Castlevania 4 had a baby. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that 8-bit prequel thing actually worked out pretty well. So, yeah. If you haven't played I'll that one, it. Curse of the Moon, check it out. Uh, yeah, there's also uh, an 8-bit section in um, Bloodstained. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's not, re- that's not really a spoiler. It's in the trailer. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that soundtrack though with uh, the, the the team that they assembled for that one, yeah, yeah, including Michiru Yamane, and, well, who yeah. had to be there, yeah. So yeah, it turned out really well. Uh, I don't I, like I don't want to get too much into spoilers because I mean the game's just out. So, uh, but yeah, it's a story that very much seems like a Castlevania story. Um, you know, versus and it, they it's can a, do stuff with it moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I, the key. Yeah, and it's got that you know dichotomy between science and uh, and alchemy, and so yeah, you got a, a lot of fun potential there, which uh, they're it looks like they are actually exploring in the game. So that's that's fun too. 
Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's Bloodstained. I'm. I guess I'll be reviewing it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, not. Uh, I can imagine the turnaround on that's going to be brutal, though. Uh, There's yeah. a lot to digest. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to have to hit it hard in the next couple of days to really uh, to to get a review done in time. Uh, my opinion, you're, you're going to have to hit. You're going to have to hit it like I hit Shenmue and Grandia too back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I should be able to. I mean, so looking forward to that. Uh, so apart from that, well, we got some games coming out this week. Uh, Samurai Showdown comes out Tuesday. Uh, yep. you're already playing it. No, I'm not. I, I didn't get a review copy. It's not in early access or anything. So I'm just watching a bunch of streams. Oh, yeah. And, um, there's a demo you, know, you can download. There is? Yeah. It's on, it's okay. on PSN. That I didn't know. Yeah. So, so I may have to do that, but... Um, all I've been doing is watching a bunch of streams at this point and, um, you know, looking forward to Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for this one. I think we're coming into a new era of really super methodical, position-based, tactical fighting games, and I love every minute of it. (laughs) And I think Samurai Showdown is pretty much the most extreme case of this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really love how unapologetic it is about what it is. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, 40-frame recovery on a whiffed throw. It's like, yep. fuck you. <laughs> and yet you have a burst mechanic, so... Yeah. You're uh, not completely fucked. And nope. um, there was that little bit of tech I showed you yesterday, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> that was obscene. Yeah. Uh, it's it's bringing back the sucker strategy, I think. <laughs> yeah, throw, a, throw that, that's right out of the early nineties. Yeah, throw a oh, trap yeah. past your uh, trap past your opponent. Wait for them to punish your whiff. Uh, burst out of the punish, which of course knocks them into the trap, which gives you a confirmed super. <laughs> so, um, and uh, supers in Samurai Showdown being. Well, Samurai Showdown. It's yeah. It's like that, that could be the you, round. You die now. <laughs> yeah. So so like if you were to see like the newer characters uh, from what you've watched, how do they compare to some of the older ones? Well, the tech that I speak of is for one of the new characters. So ah. um, yeah, I, I think everyone can reasonably compete. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody really comes off striking me as a weakling and. Um, just given the high stakes nature of, um, Samurai Showdown in general, um, yeah, I I think it lends itself really well to balance in that regard because no matter who you're playing, um, you know, if you are doing your due diligence tactically, you're going to get those opportunities to, um, You're going to get those opportunities to land the big punish and um, really, um, you know, turn the tables. Um, everything is so strong in this game that I I don't see anyone being trashed here. Mm. Yeah. And plus, you know, damage is actual damage in, yeah. in this game. Because, so, mm-hmm. you know. Like if you have any questions about damage in this game, just find any crossover that Haomaru is in <laughs> and land his fierce punch. Yeah, <laughs> and that's Samurai Showdown. Yeah, so, um, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just bummed that I'm not going to be able to get it on launch day. So, uh, yeah. So, and apart from that, well, uh, Friday, uh, I guess we kind of won't be seeing you after that because that's when Shadowbringers uh, Final Fantasy XIV launches. I'm going to have a lot to say on next week's show. Mm. No, um, no, you won't. Cause... <laughs> I'll be there. I'll yeah. be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I took the week off work for it, just like I did for E3, hmm. and so I know what this game is going to do to me, <laughs> and I welcome every second of it, just, yeah, yeah, hmm. I cannot wait. Hmm. Um, every, you know, the, even though the live letters are done, and um, I think we've still got the live patch notes reading to get through, um, there's always... Um, a little trickle of news coming out from Square Enix. Um, Yoshida's really good at that. Hmm. And so there's always something new coming out about the, about the expansion that, um, gets us fired up even more. And this is going to be a real, um, this is going to be a real monumental point in Final Fantasy XIV. A lot of people are already comparing it to Lich King. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is this is big. Hmm. And, um, again, next week I will have a lot to say because um, I'm going to get home from work Friday night, get everything installed. Um, Server maintenance should be over by then, and I'm probably going to try playing it nonstop between, um, between getting home and, uh, you know, day zero updates. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'll, um, I'm hoping to have at least two of my characters to level 80 by the time I go back to work. Okay. So, all right. So, we'll get to, uh, what we've been playing. I'll skip over mine because I just talked about it. Yeah. Uh, and, I have not only been playing Bloodstained, because I've also been playing uh, Stormblood in preparation for mm -hmm. uh, Shadowbringers. Um, I also recently... I'm not sure if I said this last week, but I scored a new Xbox 360 Slim for $30. Yeah. Um, and you've discovered how trash the Xbox 360 OS actually is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had it crash on me. I've had... Um, problems pulling up, you know, games I've purchased in the past, but that's all in the past now. <laughs> and I've just been playing the shit out of Project Gotham Racing 1 and Marble Blast Ultra and loving every second of it. <laughs> I, I think the, um, you know, 6th and 7th gen were really, um, I think in hindsight they're really underappreciated moments in gaming because they were starting to take the brunt of the um, of the blame for the lull that we were going to see around the beginning of this gen. Hmm. And um, it made it harder to appreciate some of the really great things that were happening um, around that time. And I'm kind of getting a chance to go back and experience that without, um, without that baggage. And it's been a lot of fun. Hmm. So, um, I just need to find a better controller option for the Xbox 360 because uh, those those old controllers just aren't cutting it anymore. <laughs> no, it's 
those smushy D pads and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's just a deal breaker and um, obviously all of the analog sticks on all of my uh, three sixty controllers have just been used to fuck yeah so those are not at their best anymore yeah I'll hit up eBay look for those uh, the uh, the Razer Onza uh, okay. yeah they're they're actually quite good. Good as far as controllers go. Although I, I question the uh, the choice of doing a split D pad. That was you. Um, yeah, that was not great. Uh, so, so there is that. But the analog sticks are good. The buttons are nice because they're all because they're micro switched. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's an option. Um, so yeah, that up right now. Yeah. So how about you, Brandon? Well. Uh... I recently finished Dragon Quest Eleven, mm. so you know that was pretty. You know, I had bought that game because I had you know a JRPG-sized hole in my life that needed to be filled, mm. yes. and it certainly worked. Um, I will admit, though, that there are still things about old. You know, like the game succeeded in taking like really old school uh, JRPG mechanics and somehow reworking it so that they actually are modern and relevant mm-hmm. um, with just some minor changes like you know allowing you to actually walk around and position uh, ev- all the members in your party uh, strate- strategically for various reasons all that is uh, what a very small very incidental change that actually opens up a whole new avenue of gameplay in the way you approach a lot of the big fights in that game. Um, I will say, though, the the one thing I had with... One problem I had with this game were... Uh, there's that one thing about boss... About old-school JRPGs where they'll oddly group together the boss fights in such a way that it's it's much more difficult than it really needs to be um like that whole trope of you know having like uh one boss that you got to fight and then immediately having another one like immediately afterwards not having any chance to recharge or even save and you know if you die in the second one you have to redo the first one all over again that's a little annoying <laughs> um and then that last boss fight, which, you know, it's a multi-tiered JRPG boss fight. And, you know, depending on how those go, um, you know, they can be, you know, they can either be fun or they can be drawn out and just uh, just exhausting. And this one is definitely on the exhausting side of the spectrum. Um, it's long. It's very intensive and getting all of your buffs and stuff together um you know and having to redo your buffs because the last boss has that one attack that can basically eliminate any buff that you have um just all that stuff but it was still a lot of fun i really enjoyed it and uh you know the ending's good definitely the best written dragon quest i've ever played um but, uh, so after I finished that, pretty much my, after that, my gaming has basically been taken up by the Ace Attorney trilogy that I got on my PS4, which is 
you know, uh, obviously that. So Chris basically pointed this out on Let's Weekend a couple of days ago, but they do a really bad job of trying to make it look like this is supposed to be taking place in California. Yeah. Because it's very obviously like everything's Japanese. There's, you know, there's the Japanese banners. There's the, you know, like you going into the loan office and there's all the Japanese like. Like even what Maya's wearing. Yeah. It's very a, much a kimono. Yeah, it's a acolyte uniform for like a Miko or like a shrine maiden. Um, and then there's the actual you know, the courtroom that you're in, that's a Japanese-style courtroom. That's how courts work in Japan. Because in trials like in Japan, you know, you don't actually have, like, jury trials uh, when it comes to, like, getting a conviction. Um, you know, it's ba- it's usually – it's an adversarial trial, but there's no jury. And basically the the all of the uh, – you know, all of the judgment is literally up to one person, and that's the judge. Um, and that's why, you know, in the game, you always see them on, like, opposite sides of the courtroom with, like, the tables in between them. And, you know, that's not what what a, what a American courtroom looks like. So they don't do a very good job of uh, – Hiding the fact that this is supposed to be this is actually in Japan, or just owning up to it. Yeah, like I mean, like it's like they just presented it's like you're a Japanese lawyer mm -hmm. working in the weird Japanese system sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But no, they try and Americanize it. Yeah, like this is this is very clearly Japan, guys. There, you're not. It's like we've got anime. We know how Japan can be. It doesn't yeah? You don't need to hide it. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure that they don't have studio Tokusatsu Studios in the U.S. that film specifically for a U.S. audience. Because uh, otherwise, the Steel Samurai would not be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they don't, but they really should. Uh. I mean, on the one hand, it, there is kind of a charming bit of humor to it and how badly they tried to do it, but whatever. Uh, other thing I realized is um, the only other problem I have with the Ace Attorney, especially with the later games, is that it can be a little bit on the obtuse side when it comes to like trying to get the evidence that you need and presenting it to counter certain arguments. Um but other than that, I mean, yeah, they're a lot of fun and stressful. The trial parts are really, really stressful, <laughs> yeah. which is why I've been safe scumming like crazy. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing is, you do, for all, for lack of a better term, have a life bar in that game. Because hmm. um, if you piss the judge off too much, he'll just straight up end the trial. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh that's what I've been playing. So, Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I've been continuing to play a bunch of Rocket League. Mm-hmm. Uh, finished up the goals for this week's uh, part of the Rocket Pass uh, is done, which weren't, we're not too hard. It's just last one's I was just winning matches and mm-hmm. uh, playing matches with a specific uh, cosmetic item on. Uh, there was glitter paint, essentially, for the 
uh, glitter finish for the paint, which is not just hard, just put in the time for that. Uh, and yeah, still really enjoying that and just kind of continuing to improve my craft in there uh, as much as I can, at least. Uh, just getting better at the uh, aerial stuff. Uh, not to the point where I'm actually any good, but just so I can hit the ball uh, a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still with plenty of uh, times, but yeah, that's uh, that's been a lot of fun. And yeah, the, trying to get the last few items I need from uh, this phase of the Radical Summer event that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I just have the two most expensive items, which will be good to get. They're like 150 points. And... Uh, I'm trying to get the one of them at least right now because mm-hmm. uh, they just announced they're putting out the updates uh, tomorrow that's going to start get things ready for the next phase which starts on the first I think mm-hmm. and uh, yeah RLCS is in their finals today so I've been watching that as well got it on right now mm-hmm. uh, to tune in and yeah these people are crazy good at this mm-hmm. damn thing uh, I think right now it's NRG versus Vitality, mm. uh, which is a pretty good match. Uh, Vitality, which is sponsored by Renault now. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because they added a esports shop into the game, so you can get like a premium currency to buy specific skins for your favorite teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of these players are actually wearing their teams like esports stuff, <laughs> uh, which is weird because they just wear whatever Rock- random Rocket League stuff they have. Uh, for their cars, but I also kind of find it interesting in like a a logo, uh, uniform kind of way. Yeah. But it's only been like one player on each team has it on. I don't think it's necessarily like set up for that way, but yeah, it's been a uh, been a lot of fun to tune in, and watch watch this stuff. Um, yeah, also been playing some Crash Team Racing, uh, which came out this past week. Oh yeah. And. That has been a lot of fun to jump into. I don't have too much experience with the original. I think I played like a, a demo disc of it back in the day, so I didn't really remember too much about it. Same, but, but I loved it. Yeah, and it definitely definitely makes it clear how, while it's a Mario Kart clone in the sense that it's a kart racer, it's not a clone in terms of its mechanics. Oh, no. Because drifting is completely different. Yep. You're not doing this Ridge Racer style. You go into the drift motion, you just have to make sure you got a clear route for it. There's a whole mechanics around doing it just the right amount of time to get the boost out of it. Um, and there's some other stuff specifically like that, but they have the they have the whole, like, get 10 of the Wampa Fruit to get to max speed. But if you also do that, your power-ups are a little bit more powerful than mm-hmm. just their base versions. So there's, like, a... A lot of neat stuff in it that sets it apart from what Mario Kart was doing and gives it its own sense of depth to learning how to play. And also sort of learning that, uh, yeah, the uh, the adventure mode, this, like their campaign, does not fuck around. Uh, it doesn't baby you, like let you just win easy. Uh, you have to learn the mechanics or else uh, you're going to be banging your head against it, yeah. uh, even early on with the first few matches. Uh so yeah, there was definitely uh, some time where I had to kind of replay some of the races a few times just to either get an optimal uh, setup for what I'm trying to do here uh, or just learning how to handle everybody. And uh, yeah, that game, it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, they kind of give you like a little opening area, like a little open world area kind of to drive around, kind of learn the mechanics a little bit, and then jump in, uh, drive around to where each of the races are at to start them. Yeah, they had that and, in the original too. Yeah, and so when you uh, – after you beat the, the four that are in each area, you open up the boss fight. Once you do that, you can sort of go back and play the challenges they have for each one. There's mm-hmm. one that's usually like a – you have to go around, drive around this little open area that just to get the uh, crystals that are in there. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to do that within like one minute, which is pretty tough when there's 20 spread around. And that also kind of tests you to kind of learn mechanics and all that. Uh, then there's another one that's just – they're the letters C, T, and R spread around the track. You have to get them while also finishing first. Ooh. Uh, which I think you can just play on the easier difficulties to do that stuff. But yeah, it's it's definitely like uh, more reasons to kind of really learn the, the rules of what's going on uh, with this game. So yeah, that's – that's been a lot of fun, and I have the PS4 version, which has the retro skins for uh, the original characters. So I've got Crash with the like polygonal-looking uh, model. Yeah, uh, it doesn't look quite like a PS1 model because it still animates like the the rest of the characters. Mm. So like his ears will flap around and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but the look is pretty much spot on, mm. and I also got some. There's also like original carts as well. You can get specific cart sets that are all retro looking. So it has like that low mo- low poly model kind of yeah. look to it. Uh, but you can also have like Mario Kart style. Uh, just pick the different uh, parts of your cart. Uh, the wheels, I think the body, uh, and you can put like a sticker on it. Uh, which for PlayStation has like the, the face button logos. As well as just PlayStation and that sort of stuff, and you you unlock stu- more stuff as you do uh, beat races and such in the adventure mode. So it kind of gives you like a little bit of customization to do in there. But being Activision, there's also a like cosmetic shop, uh, which just uses the currency you get in the game, the coins, mm. uh, to buy that stuff. But it's also like, oh, you got like 12 hours to get this, get the money to buy this stuff. <laughs> I assume it'll. It'll come back at certain points, but it's like, hey, here's like seven items you can get right mm. now. Yeah. Uh, sort of thing. It's like, that's eh, kind of weird for this old game. But it also makes sense because it's Activision. Yeah. Uh, that they will want to have this sort of thing, but I don't think there's any way you can buy currency just yet. Uh, but yeah, that's been pretty fun. We're going to do that on our stream tonight. Uh, mm. Probably play some adventure mode and some uh, multiplayer stuff because there's online multiplayer and all that uh so yeah i'm looking forward to doing some of that and uh kind of exhausting my uh selection of picross uh on the switch i decided to grab a game that was on sale called pixel colors which is a uh, picross style game but uh, with the focus on having colors in it so kind of like what s3 has been doing mm-hmm. uh for picross Though this has kind of been doing this all along. Because they're on their third game, essentially. And the rules are a bit different than Picross. And that the way they display the numbers are uh, different. So they kind of list the colors, but they also have uh, some that have a circle around them. That means the that number is concerning 
uh, a complete line of that color. So if it's like a four with the circle, it means there's a, f- a straight line of four of that color in there. Whereas if it's not, it means that there's just uh, four blocks of that color in that line that are at least broken up once. So it kind of changes a little bit of how you think about the the layout. But uh, so far, I'm still in the early the early uh, uh, puzzles, so it's not been too hard right now. And they also do some weird sizes of puzzles uh, up front. So I have some that are 10 by 5, uh, sort of like widescreen and uh, 5 by 10s that are uh, like smartphone style uh, stuff. So yeah, uh, it has some extra challenges and such and they have this whole like fake social media part of it where the the host of the game is kind of giving you a message like, oh, you just earned this uh, new uh, trophy in the game uh, or you've opened up this like uh, bonus thing you can spend your coins on uh, that sort of thing, but yeah, it's been pretty good uh, as a Switch thing and uh, also been playing uh, Cadence of Hyrule some I did a stream of that uh, this past week, and that was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, they kind of did took like what was cool about uh, uh, I forget what the uh, Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of took that style of gameplay, made it more uh, fitting of Zelda, which wasn't too hard. Uh, but there's there's no real roguelike elements to this. Uh, the map is randomized i think for each save so like you have like the the gorgon area will be in a different area mm. uh compared to uh where some of the others are at so you might not have to go to like the bottom left for uh, specific uh stuff versus it being different in other maps so it kind of changes up in that instance but otherwise it's not really like randomizing things, but when you do die, there are some specific items that change. Uh, you lose. Uh, there's like limited time items, like uh, your torch, your. Uh, I'm trying to think what all it was. There's a couple of items that you get, like limited use items that you get bonuses on for that stuff. So, but your main like Zelda unlock items, you know, your uh, sword. Uh, your shield, your bow, uh, power, your glove thing that lets you pick up items, uh, that sort of stuff is all static between runs. So it's a little bit complicated to try to explain, but it makes sense in the game. And as you beat enemies, you'll find this currency, uh, diamond currency. So you can, when you die, you got to respawn and it'll offer you like opportunity to buy like uh, up to five items that are laid out for you. And those are those sorts of items. So if you want to like quickly get up to speed on uh, things, you can definitely do that uh, to get uh, a little bit of boost early on. Uh, but otherwise, you don't really need to because it's uh, kind of fairly easy early on. Uh, or I think early on it's going to be tough, but once you get over a hump, you're going to find it to be a bit easier because you can you have enough hearts. Uh, to take a few mistakes and you're able to kind of rebound more quickly because hearts drop pretty, pretty uh, uh, often. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit uh, different for uh, what you expect out of a Zelda game, but it actually 
works really well in this instance. And uh, the soundtrack is fantastic. Danny Baranowski is the one that uh, sort of remixed the most of the soundtrack. I think there's some other people also worked on it, but you can definitely tell he's in. He's been working on this and does a great spin on a lot of classic Zelda music hmm. uh, to the point where uh, I hope Nintendo doesn't drag their feet in getting this stuff up on like Spotify or whatever yeah. so that people can actually listen to it. I'm still yeah. blown away by the fact that Nintendo let any indie near the Zelda series. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they've definitely not been too open with experimenting with Zelda. Uh, outside of stuff like that, that weird like like on game they made for the Wii, uh, some weird stuff like that. But yeah, this is a really nice like uh, way for them to kind of capture uh, a moment with uh, this kind of partnership with uh, the Crypt of the Necrodancer Studio, mm-hmm. kind of do something weird but really kind of on brand for what Zelda is right now. And yeah, that's. It's been a lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to put some more time into it. And they even have some nice stuff uh, near for Crypt of the Necrodancer fans. Like the the merchant from that game is in, uh, in Cadence of Hyrule. Hmm. So when you're in dungeons, you'll, you'll be able to tell you're getting near to wherever he's at because you start hearing him sing. Hmm. And he has like a real great voice to him. Uh, so there are some moments in the stream where I'm just like, all right, we're just going to sit here in the merchant shop. I'll just hang out for a little bit, let you hear what's going on with this guy. Mm. Why he's like one of the best parts of Crypt of the Necrodancer. Mm. And uh, and I think you can also play as the the hero of Crypt of the Necrodancer, which I think is just Cadence. Uh, she is like what you use. You start off with her yeah. as she kind of gets transported to Hyrule and meets up with Link and then Link takes over. I think you can also play as Zelda too. So it's kind of the first... Zelda game where you can just play as uh, uh, Zelda. Well, that you actually want to play. Mm. <laughs> where she's like an actual character you can play like the whole game with, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And it's and there's no old Japanese man being angry about breaking up the tri the triad mm-hmm. of how the of the how the three characters are supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh that's been a lot of fun. Definitely recommend it for people that are. Uh, Zelda fans and rhythm and music fans as well. Uh, it is 25 bucks, I think. And there's also, if you're not great with uh, the rhythm stuff, there is a uh, rhythm-free mode mm-hmm. that kind of takes out the need to uh, move around and attack to the beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes so a more traditional to... Zelda game? Mm. Kind of like if it was a turn-based Zelda game. Mm. Oh. Because you're... You're moving between squares on the beat. Okay. Uh, and you're attacking as well at the same time because you see like uh, bars coming to the uh, middle of the screen, and as they hit the like triangle they have there at the bottom of the screen, you need to like move or attack at the same at that beat. That's so strangely fascinating by itself. Yeah, mm. and there are like uh, traps and such on the floor. Of, like it'll speed up the beat for you know 20 seconds or slow it down, so you got to keep up with that sort of thing uh and it's definitely uh it's a really nice like twist on the way zelda works but also fits it pretty well as well mm. yeah it's it's a really cool game mm. and people should definitely be checking that out because it's got one of the one of the best soundtracks of the year 
Mm. I think so. And uh, that's been kind of it, I think. All right. So, well, let's get into the news stories. And uh, we'll start off with EA being EA because they're completely horrible. Uh, so, uh, yeah, EA's uh, vice president, uh, well, v- VP of, uh, yeah, legal and government affairs, which, Uh-oh. yeah, yeah. So her name is I Carrie. I know where this is going. Her name is Carrie Hopkins. Um, she went to the UK to talk to parliaments. Uh, they're, uh, <laughs> uh, who, who was it? Yeah, it's the, uh, the Digital Culture, Media, and Sport Committee. Uh, to talk about loot boxes, and specifically talking to a, a either a Welsh or Scottish gentleman who is simply having none of it. <laughs> yes, um, uh, and uh, yeah, apparently uh, they believe that uh, their implementation of loot boxes, uh, or as they want to call them now, surprise mechanics, uh, are. <sighs> Bad. No, no, EA, no, bad. That's a bad lawyer ass lawyer we'll put thing a quarter to in the don't try to say. Yeah, yeah. Just it, no, that's just bad. Um, We're gonna try and find a technicality here to call it. <laughs> no, well, this is actually worse because uh, if EA starts referring to loot boxes as surprise mechanics, uh, then uh, they could say that uh, you know Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order will not have paid loot boxes. But it will have surprise mechanics. Exactly. So here's here's first where every where it's just as it begins, you immediately know that there's bullshit to be had. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously the fact that it's an EA representative should be your first sign. But the first yeah. was is when you know they brought you know the again the Scottish gentleman who was simply having none of it mm-hmm. uh, brought up you know about loot boxes and she said well you see we don't call them loot boxes <laughs> don't care what you call them <laughs> because we have evidence on twitter of co- them calling them loot boxes yeah we call them happy little surprises <laughs> yeah then she tried to compare loot boxes to things like uh kinder eggs and uh, what was the other thing she compared them to? Hatchimals and... Uh, Hatchimals. Yeah. Okay, first of all, that Kinder Egg argument falls apart almost immediately when you realize something very important, and it's that, and it's this. A Kinder Egg is first and foremost a food item. It's a chocolate candy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Kinder Eggs are famous for having the little... I guess they call them Wonder Balls or whatever yeah. that have the little toy surprise inside. But here's the thing. Those toy surprises are a secondary attraction. Hmm. But first and foremost, a Kinder Egg is a food item to be consumed. Yeah. Okay? The Kinder Egg is just sort of something else that's supposed to attract you to buy this over other kinds of chocolate confections. Hmm. If there was no, because if there was actually no toy thing inside, it wouldn't matter because it would still be a chocolate candy. Yeah. That's not, loot boxes in no way can work that way because a loot box is not, you know, a primary, a primary feature with a secondary attraction in it. (laughs) The game is the primary feature. Yeah. Although some Does games that, some games design their mechanics to rely so heavily on it, it's hard to separate them sometimes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
I mean, it's it's so patently dishonest, <laughs> and the the argument is so it's on such shaky ground. Yeah. That frankly, uh, they really have no shame. Yeah. I mean, that's just. It, I'm I'm pretty sure the moment she said that, anybody who was watching that happening on television just that just collectively slapped their heads in disbelief. Yeah, and then I, I think I think this uh, this representative actually got into her head too, uh, because there like one of the one of her responses at the end when when he was when he specifically asked her about whether he thinks they're ethical or not. Uh, he, she said, and these were her exact words, I have no qualms that they have been implemented in an unethical way. Oh, really? Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just parse that sentence a little bit. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> she basically said, I have no doubt that they're unethical. <laughs> um, so... Uh, and it doesn't bother her. <laughs> yeah. I, I, she probably either misspoke. Uh, I'm sure she didn't want to actually say that, uh, but I she believe did. the term is Freudian slip. Yeah, uh, and I'm actually kind of surprised at how few people uh, picked, picked up, up that on one it. that lo- that one line. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, but this is EA, and EA. I, I think uh, to be. Legal counsel for EA, you actually have to get your sense of ethics uh, physically removed. Um, so like I guess surgically, yeah. yeah. So I guess that shouldn't really surprise uh, anybody at this point. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I what I find really interesting about the, like the coverage of this is just how much people are piling on right now. Well, yeah, I mean EA famously. You know, EA, you know, despite how much of a shit company they are, they do famously have their sycophants in the gaming media mm-hmm. and the gaming community. And, uh, and I mean, even then, you know, they still get piled on by most of the gaming community. But even by those standards, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, I think like it's nobody this was, the, was buying this shit. Yeah, this was the internet's collective bullshit detector going off all at once. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and uh, that's why we're talking about it because the more people that just call EA on this shit, the better we're gonna be as a whole. Yeah. Uh, no, you do not get to rebrand loot boxes just because it's convenient for you. <laughs> So uh yeah that's that's basically what I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this has been a public service announcement. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean it, just immediately when she brought up the Kinder Egg thing I was like, "Oh, this this is so much bullshit." <laughs> yeah. And plus the Kinder company's going to be like, "No, you don't get to lump us in with that." Yeah. Like, I mean, we already had be the to next fight step, like right? hell to finally get sold in the U.S., and now you're trying to kick us out of Europe. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is not going to go well for them. So, um, also uh, a, a slight tip to uh, uh, to uh, Miss Hopkins: uh, if you're going to go and speak uh, and refer reference a uh, an establishment that's in the UK or, or try to make an equivalency based on uh, you know a US establishment like Target, maybe mm-hmm. do your due diligence and find out what the UK equivalent is first. 
Yeah. What is the UK equivalent of Target? Uh, it's usually like Aldi or something. Yeah, it's, it's Aldi. So, Target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, but uh, it's uh, her the way she went about it. Kind of, I'm going to be completely honest. Kind of, it's kind of just been a track record for a lot of like American uh, and you know both government and corporate officials trying to go over to the U.S. and pull the same bullshit that they pull in the U.S. and realizing that that shit only flies in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, uh, laws are different over there for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we'll move on. Uh, okay, so uh, we got some news from uh, SNK. Uh, apparently, uh, with Samurai Showdown done, uh, yeah, Hidetoshi uh, Ishizawa is taken off. Well, what's going on here? Capcom legend Neo G um, joined SNK while King of Fighters 14 was in development, and um, it was a short but sweet stay, apparently, because he's on the way out now, and... Um, with the fighting genre being where it is right now, I would expect him to be a very highly sought after free agent hmm. because uh, his resume includes some of the best of Capcom's output over the years. Yeah. From Alpha 2 and Alpha 3 all the way up to Street Fighter 3 Third Strike and Capcom versus SNK 2. Mm-hmm. And now he's added Samurai Showdown to that. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be. Uh, looking for work for very long if he's um, yeah. if he's in fact looking. Yeah. Mm. Well, Arc System Works might, might hire him. Uh, yep. who, yeah. You know, uh, Namco Bandai. <laughs> that would be an interesting fit. Yeah. Oh him, yes. Him and Harada. Um, well, they, they might just end up killing each other, but that's. that's <laughs> well, no, the, um, Namco has been dipping their toes in the in the two D realm recently. Hmm. I could see that happening. Yeah. Uh, it would have to be a new IP. You couldn't really apply it. You couldn't really yeah. Yeah, like retrofit anything that Namco's got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, um, maybe he goes back to Capcom since they're trying to to call IPs off the bench. Yeah. So, you know, maybe a Darkstalkers could be in the cards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, there's a there's a... There is a franchise that has been sorely neglected. Yeah. Ono yeah. wants to make that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And the main reason that Ishizawa left um, Capcom in the first place was because he didn't have anything to do. <laughs> so um, with the climate having changed as it has in that regard, um, maybe he goes back to Capcom and um, gives them more than just you know, Street Fighter Five to build around, and they need it. Yeah, if they redo with Darkstalkers, I mean, they would have to fundamentally treat it differently than Street Fighter Five because yes, uh, yeah, you can't just you know slap a Darkstalker skin on Street Fighter Five and call it a day. Uh, uh-huh. That that entire that entire model that they came up with for Street Fighter Five, um, I think we could kind of say for- it doesn't work. Well, it wouldn't work because there, honestly, there aren't even enough characters in the Darkstalkers canon to make it work. Yeah, well, there's also, you know, there's new characters that they could come out with. But yeah, uh, the the thing is, it's just I, I think I think people have just 
unilaterally just said, no, we're, we're, we're not cool with the way this has been handled. Mm. Yeah. When you have ads starting to appear, uh, even though you can turn them off, that's just, it's like, no, <laughs> there, there is a fundamental problem here that would, that needs to be addressed. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I almost wonder if that was kind of a subtle fuck you from Capcom, uh, based on how the whole, uh, Marvel versus Capcom infinite esports video yeah. leakage, uh, was received and um, the way the community responded to that. Well, if that's if that's Capcom's answer to it, then well, quite frankly, I have no real intention of ever supporting that company again. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's 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 uh, you either handle it like that or you handle it like Koji Igarashi did with Bloodstained. Uh, it's yep. you know, you you do right by your community, otherwise you don't have a community. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I, I'm not saying that was the case. I don't want to, anyone to think I'm drawing conclusions based on that, but I, it does just kind of make you wonder. Yeah. And, um, but going back to the original point, I think if, um, if Darkstalkers is going to happen, then I think the closest person they have on the payroll right now, um, to somebody who would be able to, to make it work in a modern uh, climate would be uh, Ryota Nitsuma. Hmm. But I think Ishizawa would be a much better fit. Yeah. Hmm. And what if, uh, what if Ishizawa just decides to be Johnny fighter seed and just go from company to company making great fighting games? That would be fantastic. Hmm. That could lead to a lot of interesting projects. Hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, plus it could connect him with studios that uh, might not even uh, consider being linked to him in a more permanent sense. Yeah, because yeah, might, that might be it. Might if be you're talking about just um, one-off contract work, suddenly you're putting um, you're putting on the table um, outfits like French Bread or Nether Realm. Yeah. Mm. Or Team Ninja, you know, stuff that um, you really wouldn't connect him with a, a long-term stay with. Yeah. But um, for a one-off, could really work some magic. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a 2D reimagining of DOA uh, as, an, as a full-blown anime fighter? It would work. It really would. Yeah. So, yeah, just just thoughts. Uh, so we wish uh, issues out with the best. Uh, yeah, Samurai Shadow is coming out this week, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to talking about assholes. Uh, yeah. So uh, Phil Spencer says that uh, yeah, Xbox Live uh, is not really a platform for toxicity, or at least he doesn't want it to be. Nope. That's um, going to ruffle a few Xbox Live player feathers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, toxicity has kind of been the hallmark of Xbox Live since its inception. <laughs> Pretty much. Here's the thing. Uh, you'll go online and you'll see all these aces crying, censorship, my freedom of speech. Xbox Live is a private platform curated yep. by a private enterprise. Yes. They, they can decide exactly what kind of speech they want to host on it. And why these numbskulls can't get it through their heads is I will never be able to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, they used to be on the other side, uh, advocating against having uh, the ability for players to have you know gay or LGBT stuff in their name or profile mm-hmm. uh, for early on last gen. 
And eventually they turned it around and realized how stupid that was. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so... They're even at the point where they're going to allow more languages, other different types of alphabets in their usernames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which will scare lots of lots of the bigots. Yeah. They They'll have... run you off when you start seeing more Arabic and Chinese and Japanese uh, lettering in there. Yeah. Well, Japanese yeah. lettering is already supported. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. I don't see it too much. No, but I run which maybe for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> I ran into most of it's it when I was playing. Um, yeah. I think SNK versus Capcom. Yeah, that makes sense. Like yeah. specific, yeah. like way Japanese back in fighters the and shooters and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Uh, oh, so I, I'm I'm actually thrilled that they're they're going in this direction. It's like yes. you know, if somebody, if I have a house guest. Uh, and he starts spewing off stuff that you know is uh, hateful. It's like he starts call, calling my mom, my mom a whore. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kicking that so guy down the stairs leave. and out the out the door. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's just common sense, folks. I mean, at least it should be. But this is apparently yep. eludes some people. Yeah. Well, not for long, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Hopefully, people find all the Nazi groups and such that are on mm-hmm. Xbox Live and get them reported soon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, then I I think uh, there'll probably be a concerted effort to get rid of that stuff soon. So, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh so uh we got uh, more talk about uh well, we, we've talked about the working conditions at Epic uh a few months back. Yeah. Uh, apparently it was a meat grinder in there. Mm. Uh well, um they're taking two weeks off. It looks like uh, in a uh, like in a on their page, they just kind of quietly put that on there, just saying, "Yeah, yeah we're going to be closed between the twenty uh, eighth of June and uh, the eighth of July." Uh, so yeah, they're taking a break from Fortnite for two weeks. Uh, the game is well. I mean, it's not going. I'm anywhere. sure they're running at least a skeleton crew to maintain the store. Uh, well, yeah, I think I think the store has skeleton to begin with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think they're flat out just closing the offices for two weeks. Just mm-hmm. everybody, yeah, go home. Uh, but that also puts them right through the July Fourth uh, holiday. Uh, yeah. So I yeah. guess there's that. Uh, yeah, I, I think more more and more we're going to start seeing this as a, a bigger spotlight starts shining on work conditions. Uh, yeah, companies are yep. going to start realizing that this kind of stuff is not sustainable. Yeah, yeah once, thing that a lot of, once the yeah. unionization drives really start to kick in, yeah, um, yeah, you're going to start seeing more of this. Mm-hmm. I think it's the thing that a lot of European developers probably already do because their work culture is way different than ours. Yeah. yeah. Where we were like, we got to keep working for the good of the corporation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at Poland. You know, Poland, you know, they've got C- CD Projekt Red. Yeah. And, you know, we have heard things from CD Projekt Red that, you know, there are issues. Yeah. But it's not the kind of uh, grinder type that we're talking about here. Yeah. Because they have, like, you know, unlike in the U.S., you know, in Europe, they have more mandated holidays. Yeah. yeah, and those are those are required. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you do not work those days. Yeah, so uh, yeah. yeah. So we'll see if uh, any more comes of this, and I'm sure we'll start hearing more of this from uh, bigger companies as well. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we just heard uh, one from uh, Bungie saying they're they're not going to fix a uh, an overpowered gun because it's uh, yeah because it's just like yeah our, our guys have been working a little too hard now just take a little, we're taking a bit of a break we'll uh, yeah. we'll get to it we'll when get, we get to back. it later yeah <laughs> so uh, and that's that's fine that's how it should be yeah it's like. Yeah, it, an overpowered gun. If it stays in there for a few for a few more days, is not going to. It's not going to end the world. No. Yeah. So. I think part of the problem with, uh, to be completely honest, today's gaming generation, uh, the idea of like having to, because when we were kids, you know, the idea of having to wait for an extended period of time between games and installments and stuff, you know, that was just a par for the course. We. And now there's kind of like an instant gratification mechanic yeah. to it now. Yeah, I blame mobile. Yeah, I, I know that makes me sound like you know old man yelling at clouds, but it's true. <laughs> you know, Phil and Pat can both back me up on this. It has. Um, just, I, I think digital in general has kind of um, implemented a sort of right now um, mentality. When it, whether it comes to releases or patches or uh, content, um, you know, people are demanding it bigger, better, faster now just because it's possible. Mm-hmm. And of course, whether and you can do it and whether you should do it are two different matters. Things, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So there we go. Um, so let's get on to the next story here. Uh, the Disaster Report for Summer Memories is coming to the West in early 2020. Why should I care? Uh, because it's the first game from this series uh, in a long time. The, the original got canceled when the oh, what was the the hurricane, uh, the earthquake in Japan, the Tohoku earthquake. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that took down that game. Wow. Uh, caused Motor Storm Apocalypse to get pushed. Uh, a good bit and mm-hmm. uh, a few other games as well. I think at that point, and yeah, uh, Irem went down mm-hmm. as a result of that game getting canceled. Luckily, mm-hmm. they uh, reformed as Granzel, mm-hmm. so they've got a second chance to keep oh. sort of working on their own games. Irem, they've been around a hot minute too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why uh, the new R type is uh, done by Granzel. Yeah. Uh, so it actually is Irem, but it's just yeah. different name. It's like a lot of those same developers just reformed yeah. to keep working on like PlayStation Home stuff for a while. Because mm. they were like one of the bigger supporters of that thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, making their own stuff now. Yeah. That needs to come back for PSVR, I, I gotta say. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, PlayStation Ooh. Home clones on PS4 right now that I think are supposed to support, uh, support PSVR at some point. Mm. Yeah. I don't think they've necessarily gotten to that point just yet, but yeah, that is a uh, that is a thing that's in the works. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, what type of game is it, dude? Like, I, I'm, uh, I'm completely they're new kind to this of yeah. they're kind of Japanese adventure games, essentially. Okay. Ah, uh, like exploration, survival adventure games. Yeah. Oh, uh, like what was that? Nine nine nine, like. Nine days, nine rooms, nine doors, something like that. Yeah. Uh, more Is open that? than that. Hmm. Ah. Uh, I guess I would just consider that a straight adventure game. Okay. Ah. Like you're trying to go around to these puzzle rooms, uh, mm. puzzle areas kind of thing. This is more like, uh, I'm trying to think what other games might be similar to it. Might have to just look up uh, 
some other stuff. But yeah, the and they've also had just weird names over here. I think the original was Disaster Report when it came over. It was published by H Tech. Mm. Just in case you need to know, like what level of game that was at that point. <laughs> uh, the second one was called. Let me see. Raw Danger. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so you might not know that that was a sequel to uh, Danger Report. Mm. Uh, sort of thing. And yeah, 3 uh, eventually came out in Japan, but got canceled for any plans around the around the world. Mm. Uh, or no. A fourth game, okay, Disaster Report 4, was this game that was supposed to launch April 2011. Uh yeah, it was canceled after the Tohoku earthquake. Hmm. And yeah, the the creator of the Disaster Report series, Kazuma Kujo, bought the IP of the series from IRM for his company, Grenzella. Hmm. That's how this whole thing is working. Hmm. And yeah, they released the original game in Raw Danger on PS3 and PSP and Vita. Hmm. And so yeah, this... Uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird game to try to describe. It's kind of like if Shedmu was trying to emulate like a being in like a disaster movie okay. kind of oh. thing. And so like there are potentially like ways of the story playing out in different ways. Uh kind of a little bit like uh Dead Rising a little bit. Mm. Where you're gonna have different scenarios that pop up and you have to decide what you're gonna do, who to save and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh oh, there's an interesting bit on looking on the original disaster reports wiki page. Japanese version is one of the few games to support the res vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> well, something did. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, that was, they were all just kind of neat games. Kind of in like, uh, you know, like a Demon Souls kind of way, like kind of just weird enough and out of the, the general purview of Western audiences that people didn't really pay too much attention to them. So I'm guessing these are if these are like survival adventure games, I'm guessing because it's called Disaster Report, most of this involves you trying to survive through some kind of like major disaster, like an yeah. earthquake or a typhoon. Yeah, or... the original, let me see what the story is. Uh, the year is 2001. After 10 years of construction, the government announces the wor- to the world the completion of a top-secret project based in the Pacific Ocean known as Stiver Island. It's like a floating island. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, top engineering talent to transform a minor spur of rock that barely stood above the ocean waves into a thriving man-made island. Clearly a state-of-the-art metropolis called Capital City. You can guess that some shit goes down and mm-hmm. man's hubris is revealed. Mm-hmm. And the people are the ones that pay for it. Yeah. Uh, well, this sounds kind of cool. We'll have to yeah. Yeah. Give this a look when it comes a out. kind of game that doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But might be more prescient now that we're in the midst of climate change happening. Yeah. Causing some yeah. shit to go down. Mm. All right. Uh, so last story before we get to our main, well, the last discussion topic, we'll talk about. Uh, so 2021 will be the next big year for Sonic because that's when the sequel to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie will come out. No, I, I, I'm completely lying. That's when the game adaptation is. <laughs> no, that's when Sonic 2006 Remastered will come up. No, uh, I'm I'm just going to shut up now and let you describe this. <laughs> yeah, so this comes from Game Informer, who went to South by Southwest mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year to talk to Sonic team head uh, Takashi Izuka, who was talking about the next mainline Sonic the Hedgehog game was in development. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and this is so, like after this is after Sonic Team was dissolved, right? So yeah, uh, and this is I guess he met up with uh, E3 last week, kind of continue up, like follow up on that, and uh, he definitely said they can't really talk much about what the the game they're working on is, but it's going to be the 30 year anniversary uh, for Sonic, as he says here. 2017 was a big year for Sonic. Uh, with Sonic Mania and Sonic Forces releasing. Uh, the next big year for Sonic is 2021. It's the 30-year anniversary of Sonic. We are now preparing. Uh, I told him that as he... Okay, they told him that uh, past anniversary years like 2011 where we got Sonic Generations. Second release, big milestone games marked the cage. And when I said that might be the case for 2021, he chuckles and lets out a soft maybe. <laughs> uh, and so he brought up Sonic's Dash, Drop Dash Move, which was first introduced in Sonic Mania. Months following Mania's release, classic Sonic performed the same move in Sonic Forces. Mm. And again, in the Sega Ages version of the first Sonic the Hedgehog on Switch. And according Which to I highly uh, recommend for anyone who hasn't tried it out. Mm. Uh, retroactive inclusion of that move in the Sega Ages version was something he wanted. Mm. Uh, yeah, it seems like they're setting up uh, to have at least one game out, maybe a Sonic Mania 2 as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, as, as as well as Sonic Mania did, I don't think uh, they're going to be forgetting that. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep our eyes out for that, because, uh, yeah, Sonic Forces was not so great. <laughs> Even no. <laughs> no. It's uh, very Sonic obvious that yeah. it's one of the most, it's one of the most obvious examples of when you know the uh, they were trying to make the do go the game in one direction and then corporate immediately stepped in and told them no no we got to do it the other way yeah it so was it's kind pretty of obvious a... from the script that that game was meant to be way darker than it turned out to be <laughs> yeah, mm. it was kind of a great example of when nobody knows what they want out of anything with sonic anymore yeah cuz the fans don't really know what they want cuz i keep hearing like sonic adventures like i don't know that you want that in 2019 mm-hmm. uh, and it's like well Sonic Mania was great it's like that seems like the most likely thing to at least follow up on for sure yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and but then like what and that's not necessarily what Sega is working on because they handed it off to another developer for that mm-hmm. what they're working on internally it's going to be something they're kind of follow up on something mm. I don't they're going to try and keep continuing on like the the generations thing that they tried for forces yeah which failed for forces yeah. Well, and Generations like, okay. is a good place to go back to because it was spectacular. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really did enjoy that one. Yeah. But it's like they don't know how to iterate on things yeah. with that series at all. They just it's stick like occasionally find on these, everything. And... They find these nice little gold nuggets that people are like, oh, do more of this. They're like, oh, yeah, we should do that. And they just trip over themselves the entire yeah. way. It's a very yeah. Magoo-esque thing. Hmm. Yeah. Like somehow they get yeah. somewhere they were people might like a thing, but they have no clue how they got there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, they might just go mainline Sonic 5, because technically never have actually had that. Um, That's true. And they probably would Sonic like to forget 4 that 4 well. existed. <laughs> I'm I mean, sure they've you... got Christian Whitehead on speed dial. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's apparently what they're still working on, so, you know, we'll see. All right, so uh, last but not least, uh, we want to talk about the Ouya. Uh, I was watching Chris's stream last night, uh, and uh, I just 
capable way of thinking that there was so much potential in this console. A lot of creativity uh, ended up there. Uh, yeah. And I uh, just kind of want to wonder, like, what went wrong? <laughs> I think they just they had the great idea for a platform, and it just kind of came out at the wrong time. Because mm-hmm. I think they announced it like 2011, 2012, like as the PS3 and Xbox 360 were kind of winding down. Mm-hmm. And people realized like, oh, the indie stuff here is like some of the best stuff on this platform. Mm-hmm. Let's make a platform that, you know, is kind of all that and makes it easy to work on because it's Android uh, based. Uh, it's going to be pretty cheap because it's Android based. You know, you don't mm-hmm. need necessarily... Uh, extremely expensive you know stuff below it it's just using like a tegra processor and all that Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not really high spec in any way but you know it's pretty cheap to kind of get that stuff together in a way that facilitates them being able to make a lot of like ps3 xbox 60 level indie stuff for this platform Mm. and as indies have proven like they'll go anywhere to at least try to make some money doesn't have to be like super high tech. Like next gen is going to be kind of a wash for them in general because it's like you generally probably won't need all the horsepower that the the big developers will. Yeah, I think they're they're going to move to next gen just because it's there. Yeah, but it's they might not be need to. But uh, they no longer need that power to. Yeah, yeah. That the big guys want. Yeah. I mean, there was some good stuff on you. Yeah, like you were playing uh, what was that one? Drop cord. Which yeah. was an acid trip. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a real weird game because it's a double fine game that was made for I can't remember Leap Motion, yeah. which is like a motion control system for the PC, where you just used your uh, fingers yeah. uh, in front of like a camera, and it was able to pretty accurately map that stuff to the game. Uh, but then they adapted it for uh, a controller, dual stick. Sh- uh, setup and it's like why is this not on anything else yeah it's on mobile uh, i mean yeah ios and Android, which makes sense but... like a touch control system yeah it's like hey you know why didn't they port it to switch and ps4 and xbox one and all that sort of stuff like at least capitalize on it maybe that those be bigger platforms for it because we uh, was not a big platform for anything yeah uh, uh outside of like the emulation homebrew stuff like XBMC has, so they have, they've updated that platform a lot since its launch. Because I think originally, like the menus were yeah, like this orange, orange background thing. with like black, <laughs> like a couple of options are just black text. It's like very yeah. bare bounds. Mm. And when we were playing it uh, yesterday, it's like, oh, they show like here's like recent noteworthy games you might want to check out, uh, sort of thing. When you go to quit out of games, which I figured out like after like 30 minutes how to do it. Uh, it shows like, hey, if you like this, you know, you should check out these games. Mm. Uh, sort of stuff. It's like, oh, these are all pretty smart things to add, stuff you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah. With the reputation that Ouya has is like a shitty platform. It's like, it's not really a shitty platform. It's just, it's Had the no thing it was going budget. for got swallowed up by what the PS4 and Xbox One and, yeah. you know, Steam and all that could do, with, which was, hey, here's a great platform for indies. Yeah. They're more open than they ever were. At that point, and it's like uh, that's kind of the whole thing I came with is like the the thing they were going for ended up just becoming new policies by Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, that's just being open to these small developers that don't get served by 
like the weird scheduling and publisher requirements that XBLA had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like that's still the only console in North America you can play Final Fantasy three on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yes version of Final Fantasy three at least. Because <laughs> Square does not know how to make money off of old Final Fantasy games except for the PS one uh mm-hmm. and on games. Because mm. it's yeah. like how how are you so stupid, Square? You have these games, you have, you know, Chrono Trigger. You know, they just finally released that uh second Densetsu collection. Mm-hmm. And even in that it's I was watching Giant Bomb's thing, it's like, oh they literally just release it as like Final Fantasy Adventure, mm. Secret of Mana, and then Trials of Mana. <laughs> it's like Final Fantasy Adventure, what why didn't you just rebrand this as the mana <laughs> game it was? Yeah. Mm. Oh, this is what it Which was. Is, they did it later. Yeah. yeah. As you go like you could have uh done some more work with that. Just call it Sword of Mana or Adventure of Mana and call it a day. Yeah. Mm. Or mm. just be have fun with it, Final Fantasy Adventure of Mana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just be like, ah, it's it's a mana. It's not the Final Fantasy name because we didn't know what we were doing back then yeah. at any point. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like there's a lot of weird stuff in there, like uh, Pinball Arcade I was showing you. Yeah. That's that's, that's where I used one of the uh, Kickstarter uh, things I backed for one of the tables. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't have another platform I was able to use it on. <laughs> so that's going to die with that. So <laughs> no, it's on I have it on. now, so it's going to stay yeah. there. Oh. Uh like I got Saturday Morning RPG was the other one I paid for, yeah. uh, which is a pretty cool like uh, game. Seems influenced by JRPGs, but also uh, the eighties. Mm. Uh, where your guy's named Marty. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has uh, some special moves. One that's he just turns into uh, a semi truck transformer style. Yeah, so just yeah. run over the enemies, uh, sort of thing. As you do. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and that thing's out on, I think, every other platform now. Yeah. And it's like all, the good thing is like a lot of these games that either came out first on Uyo or were fairly early on. Like that was one of the first releases they had. Like mm. it, most of them came out in other places, uh, but a lot of them it definitely would be nice to see some things that uh, are kind of not elsewhere to get uh, a release elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of the way we talk about like how Square. Some of these other companies are bad about putting their classic stuff out other places. And that's can be the tr- uh, the same thing for indies yeah. at times. Because it's like, oh, here's Blame put like super crate box on this system, which makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, but it was only on like PSP minis and some stuff like that. Yeah. And those guys are only two guys, so they don't necessarily have all the time in the world to port everything to every platform all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A lot of but, that, I, I feel like uh, the Ouya was a bit of a scratch pad in that, in that aspect. Cause yeah. uh, it was, it was a lot of just devs just trying weird and wacky stuff. Uh, yeah. Like, That's like where we got Towerfall, Duck Game. Yeah. Uh, a lot of weird stuff came out of that platform. That little crane game that you were playing. The yeah. crane that could. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, but pretty fun because it was like, hey, what if we just have different uh, buttons to different parts of this whole way a crane would work? Mm. Just have you like do these little puzzle levels. Mm. Like you got to parallel park this thing. That's mm. how you're going to learn how to move it. And how about here? You learn how to pick up a basketball and dunk it in a hoop. <laughs> yeah. And that's what teaches you how to use the actual crane yeah. uh, arm there. It's like, yeah, uh, 
it also has just some weird stuff as far as like controllers, like the uh, you can take the face plates off where the the two handles are, and that's where the the AA buttons go or yeah, AA batteries. batteries go. Yeah, after that, which is kind of neat. Uh, the weird thing is, I think when I was setting it up, putting batteries in, uh, it caused like the analog stick to be decentered. Mm. So like when I was trying to enter uh, passwords in to get on my internet, mm. uh, it kept going to the right. <laughs> so it was like turned into like a weird mini game for a second until I put the the faceplate back on and it worked right. Yeah, it's like the controller is okay. It's not great. Nothing about it really feels great because yeah. it's not made by people that have you know laboratories no. built around tech design like Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo do uh, that sort of stuff. Fans, but it has like a touchpad on it because it's still got Android in there. Yeah. And they're trying to offer some way of doing that stuff. But it's like, yeah, I like the PS4's implementation of that thing because it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. You understand the boundaries of where it's at versus it just being flush with the entire controller. Yeah. You have no idea what's what's a touchpad and what's not. <laughs> and you don't know like when you're actually uh, clicking it versus where it's the actual button, so you just click it on the PS4. Mm. Uh yeah, it's it's a weird ass controller. Yeah, it's a and weird ass controller. It's... it's a weird system. I I, I like the look yeah. of the system. It's got that Yeah. Know, Despite the fact that Notch's name is on it, yeah, they put like they had like top tier backers. They put their names on it. Like Notch is on there. I think uh, let me pull it off of my system here. It has Notch? It has four zero two. Let's see. It has Brian is. Fargo, hmm. Handy Games, Head Up Games, and some other stuff. Gamefans.com on it. Hmm. It's like it's a neat little box need design yeah or actually like tap the top button on the the top of it to turn it on and off yeah like the back is just here's an ethernet port usb port uh, hdmi power and like mini usb yeah yeah so it is a little simple. it is a little weird though when you have like cables plugged into it, it, it the tension of the cables tends to want to pull it back yeah and there's a couple of times where i was setting it up that i uh just touched the HMI cable and the screen just went to like static, mm. like snow static. Ooh. I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> uh, I had a couple of issues just trying to get the the thing hooked up to my system to come out of the Elgato. Yeah, uh, It was just throwing a fit at a certain point, even though it worked initially. <laughs> and so I just like resolved it by just fucking taking it out of my HMI switcher and just plugging it directly into the Elgato. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's take out of everything out of the system here. Just mm. fucking do it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which worked. And yeah, like the – and like just going through the menus, like this is 2013-ass Android. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that blue uh, background. Like, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I was also looking through there like, is there an HTCP option? It doesn't seem like a thing this would have, but maybe there was. Yeah, it doesn't have that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, also like the – the Wi-Fi uh, for that thing is so kind of weak enough that it's just has it just took a while to download everything. Yeah, that's why uh, they provide the Ethernet port. Um, so yeah, I didn't really a little have bit of, a little bit of a design it? flaw when you I think, is that case made of what plastic or metal? Uh, it's metal. 
Yeah. It's a very kind of thin metal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you basically create a system with uh, Wi-Fi antennas inside of what amounts to a Faraday cage. And maybe they should have maybe they should have thought of that design a little bit more ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not really surprised that the Wi-Fi is a little bit shit, but yeah. Yeah, but even thinking like they have a bunch of the Sonic games on there, like Sega C- or Sonic CD and the Sonic Four games. Yeah. Uh, which is like, yeah, that that was what was coming out around then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that ended up on well, pretty much uh, everything. No way. Yeah, it was just interesting to think like mm-hmm. even a publisher as big as like Sega was putting stuff out on this. Yeah. Uh, not everything they could, but they tried out uh, a few things at least. Yeah. That was probably sold pretty well for what it cost to put them on there. Yeah. I mean, they already had the Android version, so. Yeah. Hmm. And that was definitely uh, an interesting thing to see. It would be interesting to see, like, what sort of, like, homebrew stuff goes on around this, where people are already able to sideload Android apps in there. Yeah. Just put the APKs on the system, and it has that option in the the menus to allow that stuff. Hmm. So you could, you know, expand it and all that and I don't know how this compares to a Raspberry Pi. Do you know, Phil? It's it's more powerful than a Raspberry Pi, but uh, and as, as far as the uh, graphics processor goes, it is more powerful than the Pi as well. Okay. Uh, has about the same amount of memory, a gigabyte for both. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's... So roughly you know, about the same. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll run RetroArch really nice if you want to put that yeah. in there. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice little system. I just kind of... I feel like Razer didn't really uh, tap into it as well as they could have because they they have well they had that they also had Mad Cats and that that uh, I don't know what game they, stick whatever it's called that and that weird three hundred dollar Mad Cats uh, con- micro console that they ended up buying uh, yeah so uh, yeah it's they had three uh, of the same thing basically competing and uh you know i i figure if let's say 2016 maybe razor had uh like revved the uh uh the ouya and maybe put a, a tegra x1 in there uh Damn. it might have had a ch- more of a chance because um, that nvidia shield is actually doing quite well yeah mm. Yeah, Nvidia is about to rev that too, so that's mm. uh, that's going to be interesting. Mm. Yeah, so there we go. The Ouya, it's it's not as meme worthy as uh, people want to make it out to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, if you want, it's wanna... a neat little thing. It's yeah. a shame it's going away, but it makes sense why it's going away because it probably sold. Let's say three digits yeah. uh, amount of co- amount of consoles over the last like three years. Yeah, oh. like it's it's dead essentially. Yeah, yeah. I should email this uh, press via email see if I get a response back. <laughs> yeah, give me all the games. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like I mean, you can't even purchase anything anymore, right? <laughs> So uh, you the, still can until Tuesday. Yeah, well, the twenty fifth is yeah, when it's going down. You can, but you can't add funds anymore. <laughs> it doesn't work anymore. I don't think. Yeah, I think they disabled that or something. But anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I certainly uh, didn't try. Yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting because I mean I've seen a lot of people on Reddit. Well, the the Ouya community and Reddit, such as it is, have been uh, scrambling to get 
to download everything they possibly can uh, yeah. mm. before that goes away. And uh, they're, it looks like they're working on a, a, a fully open firmware. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to, to take a look at if it ever comes out. So Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was just wishing they would get Final Fantasy Dimensions on there somehow, but it never happened. Yeah. Yeah, you might be able to just put the Android version on there. Yeah. Sideload it. Yeah, if you got the APK, you can just throw that on there and it should play. Uh, most uh, most Android games actually work pretty well with no modification on the OUYA. As long as they had games yeah. of controller support to begin with. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, as I said yesterday, um, so long, will ya? We hardly knew ya. Uh. And with that, uh, we'll end the show for this week. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody that if you haven't subscribed yet to the show, you can do so at Anchor FM slash D Zero Update. Uh, also send us a voice message. I checked before the show; we still don't have any. I mean, oh yeah, go ahead. You you can talk to us. We won't bite much. Um. So uh, for uh, Patrick Mifflin, Brandon Perkins, and Chris Sologi, I've been Philippe Odenolfo, and we'll see you next week.